While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Been to the zoo. I let up. Do you not get that reference? No. The zoo story by Edward Albee. No. If it's not like a reference to we bought a zoo, then I don't. I don't know what it is. Anyway, I went to the zoo on Saturday. I don't know when this podcast is going up. So it doesn't really. You went matter. to the zoo at some point in time. At one point in time, I was at a zoo. Uh, the first cool thing I saw was a tortoise going to town on a banana. <laughs> <laughs> like a tortoise just shoving his face into a banana. Okay. Last time we went to the zoo, we saw tortoises chow down on some leaves, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it was like they just emptied a produce truck in the tortoise house. There were like lettuces and tomatoes all over. The- I thought I was going to watch a-, a tortoise sit on a tomato, which would have been the best. But... <laughs> I just watched him shove his face full of banana. Which okay, is so you cool. watched a, you watched an animal eat food. I watched another animal, uh, a cheetah, look uncomfortable at the people in the zoo, <laughs> like okay. making noises, presumably at children that were running around. Um, I watched some penguins eat some stuff. Penguins are cool, and then I watched. <laughs> Then so I far, watched. all these stories have been, I was at the zoo. Like, there's nothing that's happened that's outside of the ordinary for any given zoo visit. Andrew, I watched a giraffe. <laughs> yeah, we can't. All right, welcome to Overdue. <laughs> this is a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. I and we are never talking one. about Ooh. that again. Do you, you need took, to do a different got open? There. No, that, I mean, we'll, baby, we'll, I think that's fine. It's, <laughs> we're not going to talk about We talked about worse on the Fifty Shades show. How about that? All right, so we th- this is a this is an episode of our dumb show, a bonus episode. <laughs> what do we do on this show? Not talk we about read, giraffes. We read books and tell the other one about books that we read. Um, normally, we each read one book, and the entire episode is about that that one book, or like one of us reads one book, and then the whole episode is about that book. This time, in honor of Children's Book Week, which was a week ago, two weeks ago, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, we each read a separate children's book. We did this last year with two Dr. Seuss books. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year we're back at it with two books from two different authors. So, Craig, why don't you get us started here? Because you're you're already in the mood to talk about penguins. I am. I'm more in the mood to talk about penguins than giraffes, if that is possible. Uh, uh, yeah, I've never been less, less in the, the mood <laughs> to talk about giraffes. Uh, so, I read Mr. Popper's Penguins. By Florence and Richard Atwater. Uh, you might say, how did it take two people to write a book about penguins? How did it take two people to write a book about penguins? Thank you for asking, Andrew. Uh, the Atwaters <laughs> were, uh, they were each born in the 1890s. And Richard Atwater was a Chicago writer and classics professor at the University of Chicago. He met his wife, Florence, uh, at the university where she was a student. And she took a class of his to meet him, and then they lived 
for the rest of their lives together, which is, mm-hmm. like, I think, a cool story. Cool. Um, he wrote two unsuccessful children's books in his time. Um, he had written some like magazine articles and poems and things. One of them was about, if I remember this correctly, some kids who get in trouble for sneezing or for laughing at a king who sneezes. Okay. Uh, that didn't go over too well. The I other think one, that's how Game of Thrones goes. <laughs> uh, it does. He uh, wrote Game of Thrones. And then he was trying to write this book about penguins. And he wrote a book called Orc or Mr. Popper's Penguins. <laughs> uh, Orc being like the wolf of the penguin world, I suppose. Okay. If that makes sense. That's like the noise that the noise that penguins make. Yes, orc, orc. Uh, orc, orc. So he was writing this book called Orc, and he was very intrigued by Richard Byrd's uh, explorations of the Antarctic, um, and thought that people might like penguins, which mm-hmm. I guess is cool. People like penguins. If all his wife did was convince him to remove Orc from the title of the book, then that is enough for the co-authorship credit, <laughs> in my in my view. No, unfortunately, it's it's not as funny as that. Uh, Richard uh, <laughs> died in 1948. He suffered a stroke in the early 30s. Uh, we think it was a stroke in 34, I believe. And at this point, the draft went uh, unpublished and unsubmitted. So in the during the depression with her husband um, kind of debilitated by this stroke, Florence decided to publish the manuscript, but no one wanted it. It was roundly dismissed. Okay. And I think part of the reason was it was too, like, magical. Like, it was not... Um, the first penguin in that in the original edition, Andrew, came out of Mr. Popper's mirror when Mr. Popper, like put shaving cream on the mirror and drew a penguin in it. (laughs) That sounds bizarre. That sounds like some kind of drug story (laughs) that you would tell. And it was the 30s, so people were not hit to that. Yeah, you got got it a little early. Try try again in like exactly 36 years. (laughs) Ahead of his time. Uh, So she ended up rewriting parts of the book, namely the opening. Um, okay. And taking out some of the magical elements of the book. So he just goes to the penguin store. Well, we'll talk about where he gets this penguin. You okay. cannot buy penguins, by the way. I looked just <laughs> so you know. I believe me. I've tried. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> uh, so in 1938, Mr. Popper's Penguins was published. It won the Newbery Award. Uh, and then what has never been out of print, apparently, in 70 years, which is a big deal. Cool. Uh, and in 2011 was made into a film starring none other than Jim Carrey. Oh, I bet that went really well. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Go? I will say I was read he Mr. The... Popper or was he the penguin? Was he, he was... like a CG penguin or was it like a Polar Express <laughs> thing where he was playing all the parts? Wait, don't you mean like a Norbit thing where he was playing all the parts? I think that happened at Polar Express. Tom too, Hanks was just... wasn't Tom Hanks everyone was just the conductor. <laughs> He's also the train. He's every car on the train. I'm looking this up. You keep going. Okay. Uh, I will uh, say... Tom Hanks as the hero boy, motion capture only. They couldn't get a real boy. They had to have Tom Hanks <laughs> be a boy for this mocap thing. He's the uh, Andy hero boys, of mocap Hero boys, boys, father, 
uh-huh. conductor, the hobo, Santa Claus, and the narrator is all Tom Hanks. How did you know that? I just looked it up. But you seemed to Oh, you, how did before. I know the original fact? I don't know. It's just one of the things that I know. <laughs> I keep uh, I always think about all the like useful knowledge that I've forgotten so I can remember like the hungry hungry hippos jingle. What like squeeze it Kool-Aid drinks were like and then this. <laughs> For me, it's what do I remember? It's like snippets of the bop it song um uh what apparently nothing else i guess that's, that's it. the only thing you can't even remember what it is that you remember names of transformers maybe that's oh it. yeah you do know quite a few transformer names that's true anyway penguins i guess penguins um, back to the penguins so yeah so it's been a pretty successful book there's not too much about the atwaters um Richard passed away in his 50s, and Florence uh, lived a much longer life. She lived in the late 70s. Um, so is this one of those sad things where like, they wrote this book and then their estate was like nothing by the time they died because they did something naive with the rights and, and so no. like, Mr. Popper's Penguins Incorporated has all the money? I don't think so. They um in my iBooks copy of Mr. Popper's <laughs> Penguins, uh, it was clearly published around the release of the film. Okay, and so there was like a trailer for it at the end. Forward by Jim Carrey, <laughs> and there was like a video with uh like a scholar on children's books and a like the granddaughter of Florence looking very happy to talk about Mr. Popper's Penguins. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about the book, I guess. Have What's you this read book? this how one? Do you, how's, he, how's he get this this penguin? I have no experience with this book or this story at all, so this is all going to be new to me. Okay, so you need to know some things about Mr. Popper. He's a dreamer, Andrew. Okay. He has a boring job. He paints people's homes. Like, he decorates their homes. And uh, apparently, I did not know this, that this is a seasonal gig, in the 30s like it hits september and no one wants their homes painted anymore so he's like out of work and just oh well, yeah it's didn't you have teachers in elementary school or high school who painted houses during the summer to make extra money no yeah this is a thing i guess i have i think i had a teacher who worked at like a macy's <laughs> maybe that's the city version of painting houses over the summer but this is definitely a thing that, that happens okay uh he apparently accidentally invented accent walls in his tiny town um because he daydreams all the time mm-hmm. and he got so distracted while he was daydreaming about traveling around the world that he painted one wall of someone's kitchen a different color and they all liked it so everyone in town got it that's how cool mr popper is Nice. He's, he's got like a sort of a Walter Mitty thing going on, um, not in a, not in practice. I guess it's closer to like the old man and up. Like he wants to like see the world. He want he do, he doesn't want his humdrum painting life, if that makes sense. But he's also like absent minded. A little bit, a kind little of. bit. When it comes to his accent wall painting, yes. Gig. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he is really into. Uh, the Antarctic and he saw some documentaries and reads books all the time. He's basically going to spend all winter reading books about the Antarctic. 
Okay. In in the period when this was being written, and I assume this story is taking place at around the same time, was this? Um, I don't remember what the exploration of Antarctica was like, like what the what the timeline was like. But was there a lot of that happening during this uh, time? I'm do you know? Trying to get the dates on Bird real quick. Richard Bird, who is credited with, was originally credited with being the first to reach both the North and South Poles by air, but has later mm-hmm. been kind of discredited. Uh, <laughs> he was doing that in the twenties, so this is pretty recent to that. He did okay, a, cool. His Antarctic expedition was in nineteen was in the early nineteen thirties. So yeah, you're right. This is contemporaneous. Great. And he has written, Mr. Popper has, he has written to Admiral Clark, who's on an Antarctic expedition. He's just telling him how much he likes the Antarctic and how much he supports their work and stuff like that. So he's listening to the radio on his like first day home from not painting kitchens weirdly anymore. And <laughs> he hears uh, them come on the radio, and apparently, like a thing that they say when they start their radio broadcast is "Hello, Mama, Hello, Papa." Okay, I don't know if that's a real thing because the way that they use it is that so then Admiral Clark says "Hello, Mister Popper," and Mister Popper's like, "Are they talking about me?" And he's very excited. And they're gonna. So they have a weird sign-on phrase that's just a contrivance to allow them to talk to the main character. I think so. If anyone is a ham radio specialist who's listening and can tell me otherwise, that would be pretty great. Okay, cool. So Admiral Clark says he's gonna send Mister Popper a surprise. What do you think that surprise is gonna be, Andrew? Penguins. Yep. Heck yeah. <laughs> so Mister Popper gets a big box in the mail. Full of penguins. No, just one penguin. <laughs> okay. And the first sound that he makes is gook, uh, spelled <laughs> spelled gook, G-O-O-K. All right. This is really unfortunate. Uh, or maybe it's gook. I'm not sure. And so he calls him Captain Cook, the like the explorer. Sure. Uh, I don't know if you know this. He's in, Mr. Popper's into explorers. You had, You were telling me about how into the Antarctic he was, and I assumed... Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, great, thanks. So, uh, miss, then, like, antics ensue. Like, oh, we own a penguin now, antics. Like, where are we going to l- let him stay? Well, let's let him stay in the icebox. Well, then I need to ha- hire someone to come and drill air holes in the icebox. And the technician doesn't want to do it because it's weird, but Mr. Popper makes him do it anyway. And well, makes then wouldn't him... all the cold air get out too? Yeah, that's Mr. Popper's not really thinking about that. Okay. <laughs> and poor Mrs. Popper is just like, all right, honey, I guess so. I wonder if that's how the real life, what, what was her name? Uh, Florence. Flo- yeah, I wonder if that's how Florence <laughs> felt about her husband's weird penguin book. <laughs> I hope this works out. Uh, at one point, when she's complaining about how he's just going to be home all winter, and he's not going to go get it, at, like she says, "Like I wish you had a real job that worked all year round." He's like, "We'll be fine." And the kids run in from the other room, the two kids, and go, "Shall we eat beans all winter again?" And he's like, "Yeah, we'll be fine. Don't worry Aww. about it." So now that they've got this penguin pulling on their purse, like not literally, like figuratively, they yeah, gotta right. take care of this penguin. Uh, the cops get involved. The technician goes and calls the cops, and they have to like call city hall to see if they can get. I think this is where like Florence is like, I need to make it more realistic. So they need to call city hall and find out if they can get a license for a penguin. <laughs> is my neighborhood zoned for penguins? <laughs> 
That's my favorite part of every children's book. Uh, and uh, it's, that's a really good chapter because there's like a really bad comedy routine where the person on the other line doesn't really know what he's talking about. And it's like, oh, what do you mean? Is this captain need like a place to stay? What do you mean his name is Benjamin? Oh, okay. Like it's like, and then he just hangs up the phone. So misunderstandings, hooray. Uh, <laughs> and then there's a whole chapter where Mr. Popper dresses up in a tuxedo and takes the penguin for a walk on a leash. And the book take great, takes great pains to tell you that they look the same. Okay. That makes sense. So... This is not the book is not called Mr. Popper's Penguin. So when does he get more penguins? I want so, there to be more penguins. Okay. So at, it takes a real dark turn after a little bit. Captain Cook is like living in the fridge and he's super melancholy. He's not eating well. He's not being his normal rambunctious self where he's like he ate he ate all their goldfish earlier. I forgot to mention. He just up and just ate their goldfish. And Mrs. Popper's like, bad penguin. <laughs> when you buy goldfish, you're expecting them to be dead within the week, though. Yeah. Like, you're not making a long-term investment in a pet. It's amazing that the Popper children didn't kill those goldfish as it is. So Yeah, you know. right. Um, so, Mr. Popper writes another letter, the power of letter writing, I suppose, to a man who works at an aquarium in Mammoth City, the biggest city in the country. Is this a real city? No. Okay. And... <laughs> <laughs> he says that he also has a sad penguin at his aquarium, and maybe the the problem is loneliness. So he sends this uh, penguin to Mr. Popper. Uh, now I want to read you a selection from Mr. Popper's penguins because it okay. takes a real dark turn. Yeah, because I have a serious problem with that story fold. So yeah, just go go ahead. <laughs> So, where is it? It says, this is before they get the second penguin. He slept all day now in a heavy stupor, and everyone was saying that the end was not far away. And I just made a note that this book got real dark. (laughs) Like, this penguin is going to die. Mr. Popper's dead, dead penguins. And then the next chapter, it's chapter 11. It's titled Greta, which is the name of this other penguin. The -hmm. first line, so Captain Cook did not die after all. And it's just the restorative power of ladies, I suppose, that kept what? Captain Cook from dying. That's not a quote from the book. That's what. I, that's my. Okay, no, I was just, I was just saying. What's your problem okay, with so, the story turn? So Mr. Popper calls the zoo in in Mammoth City or the the aquarium or whatever, uh-huh. and the guy at the aquarium says, "Oh, I have a penguin here who also is sad, and I think maybe it's loneliness." And so instead of having Mr. Popper send his penguin to the place with like staff and places for penguins to be this zoo employee sends this penguin to mr popper who has a penguin like a melancholy (laughs) circling the drain penguin like hanging out in his fridge correctamundo man that is some negligence that's some top-notch marine biology (laughs) ask me So All then right. here's where this gets weird, okay? Oh, the, oh, we're getting to the weird part now? Yeah, okay, we're getting great. to the weird part. <laughs> so they can't fit both penguins in the refrigerator. <laughs> so, they need, <laughs> so they need a place for them to stay, 
right? And it's it's about winter time now because remember this all started in September when painting season closed, right? So they open up the Obviously. windows in the dead of winter, and all the snow from the neighborhood just like blows into their house, <laughs> and they're like, "Cool." We'll just live on the top floor. All the snow will be down here for the penguins. It'll be great. Then, of uh, course, they have 10 penguin babies. That's not how many penguins are supposed to have. But, of course, Captain Cook is stacked, so they have a bunch of babies. Okay. <laughs> Way to go, Captain. And Make it if happen. You, if you had 12 penguins... Now, you're Mr. Popper. You are sort of poor, but you do have... A wife and two kids, and now you have twelve penguins. Where are you gonna put them, Andrew? In your house? On eBay, <laughs> so I can get some money to feed the rest of the penguins. <laughs> At one point, Mrs. Popper is like, "We need to earn some more money, or else we might have to eat these penguins." <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, he puts them in the basement. He digs like a like a big pool in the basement, and he takes the like their hose down in the basement and like floods the entire basement and lets it freeze. At which point, I just made a note that just said, "Dad, Dad, like, what if you came home from school and your dad was flooding the basement so that it could freeze for his 12 penguins? Yeah, like, Mr. Popper, are you thinking about your property values here? I don't think you're doing much for your resale value. He had to buy some sort of, like, giant blast cooler to keep the basement that cold. And he bought it on credit in the 1930s, Andrew. This isn't going well for Mr. Popper. Yeah, no, someone's going to break his legs. I think that's how collection agencies <laughs> work back then. So how are they going to get out of this, Andrew? What do you think they're going to do? I see no way out. <laughs> okay. Well, thankfully, the penguins, who are all named after uh, explorers for the most part, there's like a Nelson and a Columbus and a Magellan and stuff. Um. They start marching around the basement, like, in army formations. They train them to carry, like, a little American flag while they do it, too. And then Nelson and Columbus start fighting, and it becomes, like, a little baby penguin fight club where, like, all the other penguins cheer them on. I'm not kidding. This is in the book. And they, like, root them on so that they fight, and it's entertaining. How does the story end? Wait I don't a, wait a second, Andrew. Sorry, I'm just like I'm trying to construct in my head the, the way this the story goes. I don't I don't see a good ending for any of these people or these penguins. So, a traveling theater producer comes to town and Mr. Popper marches his penguins in. The aristocrats. <laughs> I have an act. It's called <laughs> The Aristocrats. And just as he's about to show what the penguins can do, Mr. Greenbaum, that's his name, mm -hmm. his like close of the show uh, can't go on. And so, of course, they decide to just put the penguins on instead. And everyone loves the penguins. So the penguins become national sensations. They tour around the country, earning these people like $5,000 a week. Okay. Uh. There's one part where they're in a hotel, Andrew, and you'll appreciate this because the hotel concierge is like, hey, I don't know that you're supposed to have penguins here. I don't think you're supposed to have animals in here. Mm -hmm. 
And Mr. Popper goes, are you sure, do you have a rule about penguins specifically? <laughs> he uses the airbud defense, The airbud clause, oh no. <laughs> uh, so then the penguins get in trouble for like breaking, they go to the wrong theater because it's springtime and Mr. Popper's all stressed out because the penguins aren't feeling well. Well, and, it's just about house paint season, too. Yeah, it is. And the penguins are not doing well in the warm New York City weather. So they go to the wrong theater and like hook up with some sea lions. And there's almost a big fight, but it's okay. But then the sea lion guy is all upset. So Mr. Popper and his penguins go to jail at one point. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, and who bails them out? But the Admiral Clark, who had flown from Antarctica to see these penguins... <laughs> To see what he hath wrought by sending this clearly unhinged man a penguin. And then then it boils down to a choice. Like any good um, like video game story with two choices at the end, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Mr. Popper has a decision to make. Should he let the Hollywood movie producer sign all of his penguins to a Hollywood contract? Or should he let the Admiral... <laughs> take all the penguins to the arctic because there are no penguins there and they will keep all of the men working in the arctic company i okay i would send them to the arctic but not for that reason i would send send them to the arctic because they belong there (laughs) no they're from the south pole they don't belong in the arctic do they know the difference there are no penguins penguins in the northern hemisphere andrew they don't occur here naturally okay so uh, what what happens? He's he go he sends them to the North Pole. Okay, but he goes with them. <laughs> he turns to his Admiral Clark says, "Why don't you come with us? Because they're your penguins." He turns to his wife and says, "What do you think? Can I go?" And he leaves for like two years. He took his kids out of school for ten weeks to travel around the country with these freaking penguins. And then after he goes to jail with them, he turns to his wife and says, See you later, honey. I'm going to the Arctic Circle. So I'm trying to imagine the dust jacket summary of this book. And so far I've got criminally negligent father (laughs) exploits wild animals for money before abandoning his family. It's the feel-good story of the year. <laughs> I I made a note that this book is teaching you two things, Andrew. One, cater to your whims at all costs because it will pay yep. off. Mm-hmm. Two, your long so your long-suffering wife won't mind when you a get a pet penguin in the mail, b change your entire life to accommodate the penguin, c get another penguin to fix your broken penguin, install an ice rink in the basement, pull the kids out of school. And leave for Antarctica, and your wife will be totally cool. Okay, this is all good stuff for you to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is that that book? That's that seems. That's the book. It's a good. It's a good time. I don't know. It this sounds like it'd be more down. fun to read than it is to hear about. Like I'm thinking about seeing this guy on the news, <laughs> not There's... not reading a book about his antics i i was reading it and like realizing that it might be a really fun book to read like with a kid i think it's like for a third or fourth grade reading level okay but i feel like it might be really fun to read like with a kid um 
to just kind of be like, Mr. Popper's crazy, isn't he? What's he doing? He's freezing his entire living room so the penguins can play on the chairs. Like, But then I just worry that I'd come home one day in the winter and the kids would have opened all the windows and let in all the snow because Mr. Popper did it. Uh, there's another funny scene when he's walking around with the penguin. And it sounds like no one has ever heard of a penguin before. Like, everyone's like, is, what New is York, that? Is that an anteater? What is that thing? At one point, <laughs> there's like photographers trying to take his picture. And the photographer is yelling at the penguin going, hey, pelican, get the photo. Hey, birdie, pelican, get in there. This one guy calls it a dodo bird. It's It's pretty silly. So everybody in this universe is stupid. It kind of sounds like it. Admiral Not Clark, just Mr. Popper. Okay. I, I well, I was gonna give Admiral Admiral Clark the benefit of the doubt, but then he sent Popper the penguin in the first place, so he's well. To blame. But how do we know that he wasn't just trolling Mr. Popper? <laughs> oh, you wanted and, like, a penguin, conducting, did you? Yeah, conducting like social experiments where he sends people <laughs> wildlife and just sees what happens. He's a monster. He sent some guy in Des Moines a sea lion. <laughs> I'm actually, can I just read to you a chap, a, a passage of the Penguin Fight Club? You can read one, quick? but after that, I need time to talk about my book. So. Stop it. Okay. okay. Here's the Penguin Fight Club, Andrew. Okay, hit me. <clears throat> Columbus now sparred politely with Nelson until Nelson hit him on the eye, whereupon Columbus retreated with a loud orc. The other penguins <laughs> began to clap, and the audience joined them. As Mr. Po- as Mrs. Popper finished the waltz, she's playing on the piano while this is all happening, both Nelson and Columbus stopped fighting, put down their flippers, and stood still, facing each other. Gook, said all the ten penguins in the semicircle. This must have meant look, for Nelson turned to look at them, and Columbus immediately punched him in the stomach with one flipper and knocked him down with the other. Nelson lay there with his eyes closed. Columbus then counted ten over the prostrate Nelson, and again the other ten penguins applauded. This sounds savage as all get out. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> this they also earlier talk in the book about how smart penguins are because when they're trying to feed, they will line up against the side of a cliff and like slowly but surely put like just work to push one of them off because then if that one doesn't get eaten by a sea lion, it's safe to go fishing. <laughs> To which Mrs. Popper calls them heathen birds. <laughs> this book sounds weird. Is Oops. that it? Is that everything? This book's pretty good. I had a good time. All right, Mr. Popper. Let's, let's, why don't you stand aside here? <laughs> okay, well, why don't you tell me about The Borrowers? Who wrote The Borrowers, Andrew? Uh, the Borrowers was written by Mary Norton, who is a uh, an English author of children's books. She's known for The Borrowers franchise, which includes this and four other titles, and I think a short story, too. Okay. Um. And then she wrote the books that ended up becoming Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Oh, really? It, it, it was a Disney movie. Um, the first one was called The Magic Bedknob, and then the second one was called Bonfires and Broomsticks, and then they were issued together as Bedknob and Broomsticks. I had no idea. Yeah. That's cool. Um, she was born in 1903, died in 1992. Wow, um, and there's that's not, pretty there's, good. Yeah, she, she had a good run. Um, there's not a whole lot about her outside of outside of these books um the names of the other borrowers books and i'm i'm only reading this because i find the the last one to be like tonally 
it's weird. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so it's the, the borrowers. Second one is the borrowers a field. Then uh-huh. the borrowers a float. The borrowers a loft. And the borrowers avenged. Whoa. <laughs> that all that took a turn. I don't think it actually does like narratively, but it sounds like the the borrowers have wait have what was the one before it dark stuff uh the borrowers aloft okay where were they aloft that all of the borrowers died and a new team of borrowers needed to come together to avenge them the book cover is like a hot air balloon being like there's a, a bird flying at it so i don't know what happened oh man i assume that the cover of the book is what i should be judging this book by precisely that's the all we do on this show that's what you're supposed to do yeah um, there was a as I was reading about the borrowers and about Mary Norton, um, I ran into a term that I guess I should have known existed but hadn't really run into before. It was low fantasy. Oh, as like, opposed as, to high as fantasy. As opposed to high fantasy. Yeah, I had that same reaction. I was like, oh, so if there's a high fantasy, there must be a low fantasy. Can I guess what it is first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it like uh like in the real world, like stuff in your house, like gnomes and stuff? Like it's not, it, you're not like building. <laughs> that was a really terrible guess. Oh, here's, man. The, here's the way. Here's the way that I read it. <laughs> Slightly more eloquent, just a little. Um, low fantasy is defined as non-rational happenings that are without causality or rationality because they occur in the rational world where such things are not supposed to occur. Okay. So yeah, like you like you said, it's the real world, but with some fantastic element. So as like opposed a to penguin an coming world. out of your mirror. I guess that would be low fantasy unless <laughs> things like that happened all the time. So yeah, I, okay. So here are the, the books that I came up, up with was like the borrower series, uh, the Indian in the cupboard series. Those are low fantasy. Uh, okay. Cause it's like one weird thing that's happening in the world. That is one weird one thing that's going one on in your world. Weird that's going to weird out your boss. Borrowers hate him. <laughs> uh, we've made that joke in like eight, hundred podcasts <laughs> um okay so lord of the rings game of thrones that would be high fantasy because it's taking place in a world with different rules in a totally separate world even though i mean there are some weird theories that that the shire is just europe or whatever yeah okay. um and then like narnia i have as a high fantasy with a low fantasy candy shell what is so is here's a question okay what about harry potter Ooh, I, I guess if you were a muggle, like if you're just a bystander observing this stuff, it would be low fantasy. But if you're in Harry's head, it's high fantasy. So See, Men that, in Black is like, like low fantasy. It's like middle fantasy. Because <laughs> with Harry Potter, don't they basically just like Men in Black all the muggles so they don't know what's going yeah, on? Yeah, right, right, right. They get... They get magics in the brain so they don't remember any of the magic stuff okay but also there's like a there's like a giant magic bureaucracy that like the regular prime minister knows about (laughs) imagine if you got elected to be president and among the security briefings you got was like here's some dude dressed like a crazy street performer and he's like king of the wizards i like (laughs) I see, like, this is the difference between us and Great Britain, right? Is in America, you become president and you get shown Area 51 and you meet mm-hmm. all the aliens. 
in Great Britain, you get introduced to a magician and they explain the rules of Quidditch to you. Right. <laughs> we invented Whew. a sport that makes less sense than cricket and it's played by wizards. Here you go. A a what? A <laughs> in it. In it then, governor. So she wrote The Borrowers. Uh, this this first book is told as a frame narrative. It's like a frame narrative where um, Aunt May is telling this little girl, Kate, of an, an encounter that Aunt May's brother had with borrowers, like way back in the day. Now, does, is the little girl like completely like, there are no such thing, Aunt May? What do you talk about? She's just like, oh, tell me more. Um, and the book. My understanding is that later borrowers' books ditch this frame narrative. I could be wrong about that. I, I can't, but I think like yeah, like in this book, the frame totally fades away. Like the first chapter where you have Aunt May and Kate talking, like you start getting things in quotes that just read like prose, and then the next chapter kicks over, and you're just reading the prose all of a sudden. Like yeah, the people okay. telling the story are gone. That makes sense. Kind of like how over the course of The Princess Bride, there are fewer cutaways to the frame narrative until you're just like watching the movie. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And the the frame narrative has so little to do with the content of the story. Like a lot of the time with a frame narrative like that, you would expect the real world and the frame world to intersect in some way. But that's not what happens here. Okay. And the book even kind of lampshades that a little bit by saying that Kate doesn't really matter like right up front. (laughs) <laughs> it, it tells you her name, and then and then Norton says, "Not that the name matters much either way. She barely comes into the story." <laughs> like really, that happens in the it book. It literally says that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I guess. Wait. So, what's the reading level of the book? Do you think? Um, it's like a chapter book. Okay. So imagine the time in your life when you would be referring to things as chapter books. I think yeah. fourth, fifth grade, like roughly the same, maybe a little older than Popper's Penguins. So I wonder then if it's if it's still like a all right, you could drop this thread. You don't need to worry about this kid. Like no, just keep the, reading. yeah, if yeah, the the kids are not gonna. They're just gonna seamlessly be absorbed into the into the world. And then when Kate and Aunt May really briefly come back again at the end, they're like, oh yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> Okay, so what is the who are the borrowers? What are they borrowing? Are they begging or stealing? Okay, um, the borrowers are a basically a race of tiny people. Cool. Who live in the houses of big people, or as they call us, human beings, <laughs> which is my favorite thing. <laughs> okay. Um, that's like that's like when i was a little kid i thought the word this morning was one word this this morning (laughs) because the weather people would say it so often on the television out you know it's real it's gonna be it's great out there this morning a lot of a lot of traffic this morning and it kind of just sounded like one word okay i can see that human beings continue uh this book follows one specific family of borrowers uh the clock family their cool. names are Pod, Homily, and Arietti. Uh, Arietti sounds is a the, little out of. <laughs> she's okay. the she's the kid. She's the daughter. She's fourteen years old, and then Pod and Homily are the parents. Okay. And there used to be a lot more borrower families in this house, but for one reason or another, like the occupants are getting a little older, 
And so like fewer of the rooms are used for things. And so there are less, there are fewer opportunities to borrow. Um, sometimes people get seen by the big people, which is bad. That's not um, good. There's, there's one story that, that pod and homily tell Arietti is kind of a, a cautionary tale where her cousin Eggletina okay. uh, goes, um, she's, I don't remember it was, she was, who was seen or if it was one of her family members who was seen, but the, the big people got a cat. Oh no. Because I guess it's pretty easy to confuse the borrowers with, with mice. If you only see them like scurrying away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're basically, I mean, they're, they're human. They're described as just little teeny tiny human people. Um, and so the they got Indian a they the got a cat and, yeah. and Eggletino went up and they never found her again. Oh so no! Just assume that the cat got her. Um, so there's this of all these families, they are the one who who are still living here. Okay. And, and what are they doing there? What are they borrowing and why? They're just borrowing the necessities and other stuff. Like <laughs> they use like they use like blotting paper as carpet or like they stole a watch and they use it. They hang it on their wall as a clock. What or do like they already sleeps in a cigar box. They eat, you know, they eat food that they've borrowed like potatoes and stuff and soup. <laughs> okay. Did, wait, the, did these people, did these people exist before human beings? It's not, it's not really outlined. Like, okay. So, Pod is seen Uh-oh. by a boy. Uh oh. Who come like Pod is trying to get a little teacup, like a little doll teacup, because Homily wants one or or something. I don't remember <laughs> what the specific reason is. So the boy, like they they the borrowers thrive on routine because like say somebody comes that's into a room yeah, yeah, yeah. into a room every day, eats breakfast, and the crumbs are on the table for a while. Like that's their opportunity to get in, get their stuff without anybody noticing. Go, 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 get go, out. Go. Yeah. Yeah. And the the sort of rough code that all the borrowers are supposed to live by is like you you don't you take stuff, but you don't try to get noticed. Cause if you get noticed, then people are going to start looking for you. And if people start looking for you, that's bad. Yeah. So yeah, pot pot is seen by this boy. He comes back and tells his family about the boy. Um, that, I mean, Arietti is already kind of exasperated that she has to live in this little hole all the time. She doesn't get to do stuff. Um, women don't typically borrow is usually men who are supposed to actually do the borrowing. Interesting that Arietti's the main character then. Yeah, but so she actually, like, Pod decides to take her borrowing because she's, I mean, they're, like, the only family and he's getting a little old and, you know, he was he was seen and so that's, that's seen as, like, a sign that he, maybe he's not as nimble as he used to be. Mm-hmm. So Ariadne's out on her first, her first borrowing mission, I guess, and she's outside and she runs into this boy again and she is seen. Oh no! But this boy is just, pretty good at spotting borrowers. Yeah, but they both just kind—they're of, both kind of chill about it. Like he's eight or not, he's nine, she's fourteen, and they're both just kind of talking to each other in a way where, like, I mean, you work you work with kids. Like there, there, I assume is some age with kids where they don't know that they're supposed to have preconceived notions about other people yet. Yes, does that sound familiar? Yeah, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. So they kind of talk to each other with their guard down in a way that they probably wouldn't if they were both older. Like okay. there's not that innate distrustfulness is not really there. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of the, that's 
we've talked before about the storytelling structure is like if you want somebody to explain their world, like if you want somebody to explain what is normal to them to another person without it sounding forced, you put an outsider into the conversation. Yes. And so the boy who is never named is um, asking Arietti about the distinction between borrowing and stealing. Of course. And and she just says, you know, she says, we are borrowers, like you're a human being or whatever it's called. <laughs> We're part of the house. You may as well say that the fire grate steals the coal from the coal scuttle. Um, and she says, stealing is, well, supposing my uncle borrowed an emerald watch from her dressing table and my, mo- my father took it and hung it up on our wall. That's stealing. <laughs> so they can steal from each other. But if they steal from the human beings, it's just the way that it is. Like she says, human beings are for borrowers, like breads for butter. Weird. It's just the order of things. You're here to leave stuff for us. Yeah, like they can steal because that's the way it is. Because we're careless. Don't pick up after ourselves. Borrowing. I deserved to lose those socks, is what you're saying. I didn't want that match. I'm whatever. Just take it. It's fine. I I was done with that cheese. You're right. borrowers i wouldn't notice if one of those potatoes went missing thank you for noticing i totally drank all that coke i'm sure i did (laughs) Um, there's a borrower right here that i'm talking to i don't know if you can see it (laughs) on my camera so basically i mean the rest of the story and it's a very small story like it only takes place over the course of a couple of a few days um arietti accidentally like she talks to this boy a few more times she accidentally leaves a few too many hints about where they live Mm. and the boy pries up the floorboard and finds their little borrower den no and it's for a while it's cool because he's not again he's not like afraid of them he's not he's not mad at them he's like bringing them stuff for a while Okay. He's borrowing them stuff from places they could never get to. So, like, all this doll furniture from, like, this dollhouse that's stuck in a cabinet, like, way high up. Just all the the things that they they are either too small to get or just... He's just bringing them all these toys because he likes them, I guess. Yeah, of course. And and Homily, especially, is very into all the things that they're getting. She likes things. (laughs) All right. Okay. Weird. So he is giving, he is found out. He is found stealing all this stuff because he is insufficiently cautious. He starts to steal things that people actually well, notice. Because he's not a borrower. He doesn't know how yeah. to do it. He's just a human being. And that's, <laughs> uh, Mrs. Driver, the cook, is the is the woman who, who finds, finds him finding them. And she sees them like scurry away. She doesn't know if they're mice or what. Um, she brings in like a, a rat catcher and some dogs and like uh, after after they are found out, the boy does not see them again. He doesn't know what happens to them. Oh no! Um, but he like they're they're trying to smoke. The, they have the 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 exterminator come and like try to smoke out the vents and whatever. And the boy, right before he is he is taken away from his relatives to go back to his family. Um, he like breaks open a grate and the implication is that they all, the borrowers all get out through that grate. But that's not explicit. It's, I mean, there are four more books in this series that all focus on the same borrowers. So let's just say that it is explicit. (laughs) (laughs) 
there's, except there's an, for the borrowers avenged because we don't know what that's about yeah we don't know if that's like iron man just coming and and hanging out with the borrowers or they what they needed something to avenge <laughs> um yeah at the at the very end the frame comes back and um aunt may um tells kate about how like the year after she went there and um the the bars had told the boy about this basically like a badger like an old badger hole that some family members had relocated to after they'd been spotted mm-hmm. and so aunt may takes this pillowcase full of doll furniture and takes it out there and waits and waits and waits and nobody comes so she leaves and then she comes back the next day and the doll the pillowcase is gone hmm. and she finds this diary or like this this book that was allegedly written by the borrowers but this book ends with like Oh, Arietti wrote her ease in just such a way, and my brother used to write his ease just like this. Also, weird. Like the implication being that her brother was just making it all up, even though the fact that there are four more books in this series kind of oh, okay, break bust that little illusion at the end. I thought that was a neat, like a neat note to to of uncertainty to take it out on like if you were if if this were just the standalone thing which it was for 3 years I think yeah you just leave that little did it really happen which seed is in the in the yeah head which of is part readers. of the fun of of those types of stories the like what what is unseen in the world around you this kind of low fantasy type of story is that I love that term now we're going to use it all the time huh? I know it's really good um this sense of like oh there's there's always something that if only you could see it and it would you would know that it was happening like there's just a little it's a little bit of magic and mystery in the in the world you yeah know? it's like that the the toy story thing yes. where like what would you notice if you paid a little more attention to the world around you yeah um and to say at the end of this book that maybe that's real and maybe that isn't is kind of neat because then it's not like the kid comes away from the book being like, oh, man, I wish there were borrowers. But it actually makes you think like, wait, maybe there are borrowers. Where would I put my saltine crackers? I don't know. I maybe just, someone borrowed them. I put down some goldfish to read the last page and the goldfish are gone. Though on the flip side, like imagine two kids, one is seven, one is five. The seven-year-old keeps stealing things from his <laughs> five-year-old brother and just telling him that the borrowers got it. <laughs> Yeah, that's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happens. Stuff you like that. You can use happens. magic and whimsy for ill as well as for good. <laughs> <laughs> is there, so what is this book kind of, do you think the book says anything about borrowing or stealing? That seems like a thing it could either engage with directly or just completely ignore. It doesn't really make a moral judgment. Like, it's not, the borrowers are definitely not said to be like bad people. Is the implication um, that the, they're good though, right? Yeah, but or just like they're just things. They're just like the when the boy and Ariadne talk for the first time, one of the more interesting wrinkles about it is they both sort of think that the world revolves around them. So like Ariadne can't imagine a whole world full of big people. Like, how would you build all these gigantic houses? You how would you make all the this food and not run out eventually if there were as many people? Like she, she imagines the world as a sort of borrower centric universe where the big people exist like only for the use of the little people. Hmm. And then the, the human being is, is seeing it from 
you know, our perspective, if we came upon a little family of people who were stealing stuff in our house, like, are there even more of you? Like, are, are, yeah. are you just the only ones like, like that, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. But All yeah, right. there's, I mean, they, they, there's that passage that I read and then there are a couple others where the distinction between borrowing and stealing is made up and it, or not made up, but um brought up and it's just like the borrowers don't see it as stealing. And so it's, it's not, I guess like they just don't, they don't understand it as such. And the majority of the time, like the people really don't notice that things are going missing. So like, who are they hurting? Really? Yeah. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's like arbitrarily or not arbitrarily, but it like in ultimately it's wrong in principle. It's yeah. wrong. You took a thing. That was someone else's, but is it theirs if they forgot about it, or they thought they were done with it? Yeah, that's like these people are so small they can rip up like carpet fabric and make it into stuff. Like, oh, fair enough. They don't need much. Yeah, I I would not notice if a couple strands of my carpet went missing. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get a sense of how big the borrowers are supposed to be, but I think if you imagine, I think if you imagine mouse sized or like small hamster sized, you're you're around there. like if they're using doll furniture like they're they can, using it to yeah. drink out of yeah they can manipulate small human items like pins and stuff but there's one there's one passage where somebody says like a minnow to a borrower is like a mackerel to a human being okay yeah so if you know how big both a minnow and a mackerel is maybe that's some helpful i mean i don't so i just, <laughs> but you can google that now and find I, out is okay thing. Cool. I'm not uh, going to so go do that. That's the borrowers, I guess. We're we're right up on time. So, you have yeah. anything else? No, I think. You know, I would like to have a. So, I think based on the books we read this week, I would like to read Mr. Popper's Penguins like to or with a kid. I would like to have a conversation with a kid about the borrowers. If you like, can do that, you should record it. Okay. <laughs> okay. And we can post it. Kid on the street. Tell me about Mr. Popper's penguins. Yeah. All right. That sounds, that's not going to be weird at all. No, not at all. It's going to be great. <laughs> if so you this- have any kids that you would like to have talk with us, you can email us about them at overduepod at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at twitter.com slash overduepod. And you can like us on Facebook and tell us about it there at facebook.com slash overduepod. Um, Craig, if they want to subscribe to the show, if they want to support the show financially, where is a good place for them to start? They should start at OverduePodcast.com. That's our homepage where we have links to all the back episodes of the show, as well as to our iTunes page, which is where you can rate and review and subscribe to us if you don't already. Uh, both, All three of those things are great ways to boost us in the rankings and get other people listening to the show. Uh, it's helped us a lot in the past couple of years, so please do that. You can also find a link to our Patreon page, which is a way to financially kick in financially kick in some money, whatever, uh, to help support <laughs> to the show. Financially give us some financial money. Financially. Uh, this episode uh, was made possible by our generous Patreon donors. Uh, we're going to be doing an extra episode each month uh, because of the strong support that we've gotten so far. So thank you, everyone who's already donated. Uh, and every little bit helps. So if you like the show a lot, please reach out and and think about donating. And if not, just advocate for the show in whatever way you can, even if that just means like 
putting a song in your car on a road trip or shoving your iPhone in someone's face and hitting play. Like that works too. Or even just going to our iTunes and Stitcher pages and leaving a rating and a review. Like that helps us rise in the ranks and it also helps people know what to think of the show. I just said that. I'm saying it again. I'm driving it home. Repetition is key to learning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to go learn some more about penguins, I think, Andrew. I am going to go... I don't know. I'm I'm going to go try not to think of all the things that Mr. Popper did to his family. <laughs> okay, everybody. Um, We will see you again sometime. I don't know when we're going to post this. And the time you hear it will differ depending on whether you gave us money or not. But uh, whenever we see you next, try to be happy. <laughs> Whatever. Stuck the landing. Thank you.